he started taking me around Wichita and getting to meet people. And I was really astounded by the right time, right place kind of vibe, like the stars aligning where there's such a fertile field here right now for growing yeah. entrepreneurship. Not that it hasn't been here before. Clearly, there's a history of entrepreneurship in Wichita, mm -hmm. but there's but for software, for tech, there's this new there's this new vibe going on here. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, we could we could actually create something really special for Wichita. Welcome back to another episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Our first sponsor today is Erica with Midwest Fresh Homes. If you hadn't noticed, the housing market is hot right now. It is the definition of a seller's market. That brings up the question, is now a good time to sell? Head over to MidwestFreshHomes.com and get your free home valuation today. Our next sponsor is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. We recently did a favorite coffee bracket challenge on Instagram and Twitter. After hundreds of votes, Il Primo came out as the winner for both brackets. Check out Il Primo today. Today's guests are B.W. Barkley and Robert Feeney. B.W. and Robert run Knowledge as a Service, or CAS. Their product is Ring-A-Rang, which is working to modify behaviors and habits with technology. They recently relocated their company to Wichita. We talk about what led to Ring-A-Rang and how they are offering an opportunity to invest in the success of a startup in Wichita via crowdfunding on WeFunder. This is one of the first opportunities of its kind in Wichita. Enjoy my conversation with BW and Robert. All righty, I'm here with Robert and BW. Can you guys introduce yourself a little bit? I'm back from big cities, New York and LA. I was raised in Wichita, Kansas. I grew up here, family, everybody's here. And I headed out to LA right out of high school to become an actor. Ooh, interesting. Ended up getting caught up on the other side of the camera, much more exciting to me on the creative side in terms of the filmmaking production and all the finance. And I met this guy out in California and we put together a film company and all kinds of iterations later with merchandising spinoff, we ended up inventing a technology. And what, 15, 20 years later, I'm back in Wichita boomerang back because of this uh, horrible pandemic and, uh, and also the beautiful, uh, daughter that I that I just had very very congrats back here now with the family and he's here because he loves Wichita he fell in love with Wichita as I refill in love with Wichita with all this cool entrepreneurialism going on which we'll get to but and, and, and I fell in love with your daughter well that, that's easy to do daughter's name is Journey say it one more time Journey Journey that's awesome that's awesome that great? yeah that is great for me you know what I mean yeah 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 i'm a very mushy uncle so yeah as you said we, we we met in in los angeles so entertainment was my first career and when we when we decided to um well to to build out this software entrepreneur venture uh just two years ago mm -hmm. it, uh, bw at first we, we weren't thinking we were going to move it here but when he came back he had been kind of poking me for years to say you know you really got to come out to wichita and check out what's going on there i'm like yeah it's all right and then, sure one day you know and be kind of snobby californian about it and then um it was when he really started his family out here that i came out to you know visit him for that reason and he started 
taking me around Wichita and getting to meet people. And I was really astounded by the right time, right place kind of vibe, like the stars aligning where there's such a fertile field here right now for growing entrepreneurship. Not that it hasn't been here before. Clearly there's a history of entrepreneurship in Wichita, Mm -hmm. but there's, but for software, for tech, there's this new, there's this new vibe going on here. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, we could, we could actually create something really special for Wichita. And that just gets me really excited. So I, I'm a transplant now. I've moved here. Well, welcome. Um, go ahead. We you were entrepreneurs. We own a tech company. We own a tech company. Say that. Um, so the company you guys started, um, just, I guess, tell us a little bit about that and we'll start from there. Well, okay. So it's called Knowledge as a Service. And the, the notion behind it is to deliver knowledge in a way that actually works. Because right now, the learning industry is, is actually depleting people of self-respect. It's disempowering people. It belittles people, in the, especially in the corporate world, particularly there. Because the people get disempowered, cannot possibly take on training and remember it. And then they're expected to go out and perform. And, and it's really, it's, it's a mess. And it actually uh, ends up draining companies from their bottom line. So there's, there's a huge number of problems that aren't usually identified because we all think, well, we just got to take our training. It's just the way it goes, you know, sure. and then you go out to perform and you wonder why there's no attribution. There's no return on learning. And as a result, the, the learning organizations in big companies in particular are just cost centers mm-hmm. that disempower people for a living. Um, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but this is actually, if you really get honest about it, mm-hmm. that's what's going on. So we figured out a way to change that. So what we do, Landon, is we fill the gap that exists between HR learning and mm-hmm. the frontline sales performance over over here, over there. <laughs> so, so that they're, they're talking, they're talking, they're connected, there's data that's being transferred in real time back and forth. That's the only way to optimize the performance in the human, which mm-hmm. it really is all about behavior change. And if you're doing real time repetition throughout the day, you're able to build habits and actually change behaviors. You can't do it the way it exists now without without our technology is the way that you know the way that we're holding it that forth because sure. we've gone through the clinical trials and we see what's out there in the market and we got big clients telling us that that we're the only ones doing it so we're humbled by that and yeah. we're excited to make a market out of Wichita to grow this puppy straight up. Sure. So how. What was the inspiration for this? So you kind of had a uh, history in kind of the media or entertainment industry. How do you come across this? Because I work for Coke Industries and I do those trainings you're talking about. They're due every six months or a year. Um, Our VTAs, you have to go in, you take the, you watch the corny animated video and then you take a little quiz at the end and then you don't think about it again for a year. So what inspired you guys um, for that? Just your backgrounds, what was that history? It actually came out of a personal tragedy in my life. Um, I had started out, I grew up with my older brothers, Tommy and Michael, mm-hmm. and uh, they both suffered from really severe mental health issues, like a really severe case of bipolar. And within a few years of each other, they both took their own lives. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. And, and so it, I'm, I'm growing up without brothers, right? And I'm trying to reorient my life. And I'm really curious about what is it that has a person change a behavior so that it makes it work, no matter what they're hardwiring, because a lot sure. of it's hardwiring, right? But behavior is the other part. And so I went into entertainment and met BW there, 
both of us were really captivated by the idea of creating stories that would be aspirational, something that, you know, that would might, might inspire somebody mm-hmm. to make changes in their life and, and their behaviors, right? But what, what also caught our attention was the way advertising runs Hollywood. So advertising um, has a very unique kind of storytelling, if you think about it. First of all, it knows that you have no time for it. And so it sneaks into the in-between moments of your day yeah. without taking any of your time in order to get a, like a 30-second value proposition, and then yeah. it drops you. And then it mm-hmm. comes back again later, and it does it with enough repetition and entertainment value that pretty soon it's branded something in your mind and something falls in your shopping cart. Sure, so sure. Yeah, that yeah. Was the, that was the, the impetus that brought us to this technology that we now call Ringarang. And Ringarang is its play on the word boomerang. So the mm-hmm. idea is to send out a bite-sized piece of knowledge or action, a request for action. And then it comes back with data on what people know and don't know and what they're doing about it. And that loop, we empower our customers to take with their employees just for a minute at a time, Mm -hmm. all through the days, weeks, and months. And what it does is it adds up to, we call it habit formation, the exact same way that advertisers do. Sure. Another way to say it. Uh, we use gamification and micro-learning. We use micro-learning because the classrooms are, they just don't work in terms of retaining information. It falls out. People don't have long attention spans anymore. It's like a goldfish now, 10 seconds or even yeah. less than. So we do the, we do the micro, micro, right? In order, because mm-hmm. they're short snippets, like TV commercials. Sure. Then we add gamification because there's so much clutter. We have to incentivize people to engage. We do that with making it fun, incentives, of course, and a little bit of competition, competition, mm-hmm. friendly competition. And those things, when you add in this ask methodology that he was referring to, it's a clinically proven formula or method for building habits and changing behavior mm-hmm. in the attitudes of, in the areas of attitude, skill, and knowledge. It's a three pillar formula there that actually builds uh, new, you know, new behaviors uh, through habit formation. It's pretty phenomenal stuff, actually. Sure. Okay. And were you guys, was this, were these clinical trials and everything, were those going on or was that stuff that you guys, I guess, developed? How did, how did that process work? Was that stuff already going on and you kind of grabbed onto it and found an application for it? Or is that something that you guys sent out to have done? Totally by, it was just, didn't even plan it. It just, just fell on us and we, uh, we started running with it. It, it found us. Yeah. Okay. So we, we were working, we created this prototype when we were in entertainment and it was really to help, we started working with Coca-Cola to help okay. drive people back to a marketing campaign over and over again, through mm-hmm. repetition, right? And, you know, then it, it was funny, it was just kind of like uh, happenstance, it seemed. There was a fellow who was the chief information officer at a utility. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you guys can get people to go back to a, a cola campaign over and over again, can you get my IT employees to go to their dang training? We're about to get audited. Sure. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, would you pay us? Sure. Whatever. <laughs> so we, we followed the money and what it had us figure out was how do you actually apply this on really serious, complex training? This was about critical infrastructure protection and cybersecurity, right? And we used the same modality and added some change management, pro, you know, project management processes and the dang thing worked. And we went, whoa, I mean, like to the point sure. where we had control groups that showed that it worked as well or better than classrooms. You could replace a classroom with it. So that was when the U.S. Department of Energy got hold of us at mm. the utility, and that's where the clinical trials happened. 
Ah, oh, very cool. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So we were fortunate enough to have money from the government mm-hmm. mixed with money from big energy companies, utility companies, to go out and, and prove this out uh, so that it could be part of their, you know, their government reports. And so there's all types of data, you know, these big reports that are out there on the web. Sure. And it was pretty cool to see that we clinically proved that this behavior could be changed. Very cool. So what kind of behaviors have whatever Coca-Cola, these utility companies, whoever the big companies, what type of behaviors or habits are they trying to instill with these? Like, obviously we have our trainings for various things, but what specifically have they asked for? What, what are they looking for? Well, when the, when the DOE got hold of us, they had a very specific thing they were trying to do. And then, you know, we had a few million bucks of grant money that we were working with to overhaul our system and try out something new with customers and utilities. What they specifically were trying to do is get, get you know, customers like you and me to lay off at the peak times mm. uh, on our energy use at home. So we mm. went to the hottest parts of the southern Nevada desert, Las Vegas, during summertime. And, you know, the coldest parts of Michigan during mm. winter. And it was, it was a campaign of educating customers. And these were done through clinical trial, you know, designs on how you could just find more ways at home to, to save energy when the attitude most people had was, well, I'm doing everything I can, you know, without like screwing up my life. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to have my AC on sometimes, sure. things like that. But it turned out that there was a lot more that people could do that we just didn't know we could do. Mm-hmm. And, and so once, once we spent six to eight months with those customers, mm-hmm. we were able to save between eight to 22% uh, wow. during the peak times. Wow. Um, and, and that's what got published. Yeah, it was astounding. You know, many you ask about the kind of, the kind of habits that are being formed. Mm-hmm. We've, we've spliced it into three areas that we found are the most critical to driving human performance. And that's areas, it's habits in the areas of attitudes. Like he was saying is that, you know, I, I don't either, I don't have time for this or I'm not going to move the needle to care. Yeah, I don't know enough about this. Then you got habits and skills and habits and knowledge. And those are the those are the three things that companies care most about in order to have people change or to act in a way that's sustainable and to really have new behavior come in that's going to move the bottom line for a company. Gotcha. And, you know, whether it's cybersecurity training, I mean, you know, not clicking on the not putting that that fob in your computer that says whatever it is, whatever the company cares about, we're going to have that behavior change for that company. Right. Right. Okay. Do you like some more examples? Yeah. So those examples are fantastic though. I think the one, um, I did catch, uh, the video, I believe it is on the WeFunder page, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but cybersecurity is kind of an easy one for me to wrap my mind around. Um, when I first started at Coke, um, six years ago, we, there was a big push for the kind of the anti-phishing stuff. And so we would get those kind of fake emails to see who would click on those or who would fall for that. So I could see how that could be something, um, that this does. And so I guess practically, is this an app? Is this just through emails and texts? What does that look like practically for a company to use Ringarang? It's an app. And, okay. uh, and, and we all, so it's an app that from the learner's perspective, they're, they're responding to an app that asks for attention for about a minute at a time, mm-hmm. at, at, but they never know when. Sure. So it pops up at a seemingly random time, right? It's actually scheduled, but sure. suddenly they're going to get that alert. They either respond to it at that moment or later. Mm-hmm. 
and it's on a ticking clock and everybody can be engaged at the exact same time. On okay. clock. So there's this real-time sense of social competition and it actually gets a conversation going in the organization. That's mm-hmm. what's, it, that's a, a dynamic that happens every time. Mm-hmm. It gets people talking about it. Sure. And that's, and so when cybersecurity, one of the main things that, that you're trying to accomplish as an organization, this is the other side of the system, you know, mm-hmm. you're putting in the content to get out to those apps, right? Sure. One of the main things you're trying to get across is a change in attitude. Mm-hmm. When BW's mentioned it a couple of times, the attitude, skills, and knowledge, the ask methodology was something we came up with during the clinical trials. Because when we were delivering this sort of advertising type of technique engagement, mm-hmm. we found there was something missing. And it relates to cybersecurity because it, it, there's a prominent attitude that I know you'll recognize that everybody has in a company. And it's an, and so when you put that attitude, skills, and not, uh, attitude, skills, and knowledge module in mm-hmm. place at the very beginning, and then all the content flows from there, you're able to hyper-target what are the gateways that are stopping people from taking on the right skills and knowledge and reactions that they need to have to phishing, for example. Sure. Well, the main one is, guess what? I mean, it's, it's well, the IT guys have got this. Mm-hmm. This isn't for me, right? Uh, right. I shouldn't have to deal with this. And, you know, there's another attitude like, Oh, uh, hackers aren't targeting me. Right. They're targeting bigger people than me. You know, they've got the skill, they've got the knowledge. The attitude is blocking it from working. Right. And that's where it starts with the, that's why the A is first. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then they don't form a habit as a result. And the habit is what makes the difference. Because when you're right there at that moment, when it matters most and you're about to click on something, that's where you need, you can't, you can't be sitting there thinking about it. You need to react habitually. Sure. sure. So I guess the only thing that comes to mind, for instance, at a big company, um, again, I've worked at Coke since I was right out of college. So I don't really have other experience other than kind of textron in college. Um, but what, is there an expectation then, since it is kind of a, this would replace the training that they currently do. Is there an expectation to do it within a certain time period? I'm just thinking, People are on meetings off and on throughout the day or busy and that kind of thing, and they can't answer their phone right away. What is What have you seen that these bigger companies typically do for that kind of thing? Uh, so we created the system so that it takes the shackles off of time and it makes people think very differently about it. So sure. in a large enterprise, when they've got their learning organization, they tend to think about time in a very constricted way. Like, we've got to get this course built. Right. And then we've got to cycle people through it within a month's time, let's say, in different mm-hmm. stretches. Then we got to test that they've taken it and they send them back out in the world. We, we help them think about it very differently. Instead, take that concentrated amount of time and you stretch it out over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, okay. and in that like really nice and easy in the flow of work type of uh, dynamic, you're able to get considerably more information and prompts for action and measurable data about what people know and don't know than you could ever get, you know, concentrated yeah. in the classroom. So For people sure. are able to play as they go. Mm-hmm. And it, you break it up into like weekly sprints, what we call challenges mm-hmm. go for a week, but uh, you can kind of throttle them forward and then turn them off for a while and throttle them again. It's all very dynamic. You learn what's working and not working with your people in real mm-hmm. time. Okay. It doesn't have to replace any of the training that's existing in the organization. This just allows it to be, like you said, spread out mm-hmm. and focused on that one thing that you want people to do in that day or the habit, that one habit you need them to make. It doesn't have to replace the training. It can, okay. 
Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. But sometimes what it can do is allow a, a company to lay off on the refresher or the continuing education right. that they oftentimes are bringing people back to. But sometimes you just need to get that first course out to people right. in some concentrated way. You just don't want to have the mis-expectation set that people all learned it because it's impossible right. to learn it out of a, a learning event. Right, right. So is this mostly bigger companies using this or are there, do you guys have any smaller customers? Um, I don't know, whatever you consider a smaller company, 20, 10, 20 people. Yeah, we have some smaller companies, absolutely. And, and uh, because the value is there, whether yeah. it's on retained learning upfront, knowledge retention, or if it's on driving actions and on sales performance, the big companies are gonna benefit the most because there's so much of a cost, right. loss, loss of time. So these employees in big companies, you're talking about 40 hours of their life gone to this training that they're forgetting. And there's thousands of dollars they're spending mm -hmm. in a year for this training, not including flights to these things and events on you know, conferences. There's all this loss they don't recapture. But when you have a small company, also times the, the HR and the performance, there it is, they're already kind of working together anyway. The CEO is the trainer, yeah. you know, the CEO is the sales driver. But sure. when you have these big gaps, that's really the big organizations that are really needing that problem solved because you got all these employees that are paying a bad price of a price of not being right not being uh, in that moment of performance so way to think about the size of it is we, we have moved down from large enterprises to, to try this out with smaller companies but but as bw is saying you're not going to do it with a company where everybody's like constantly being trained together you know it's, it's right. once you get up to something like 50 people or so yeah. then then you're starting to spread out enough that you know you don't have a trainer on everybody all the time but if you think about it, where all this model for training came from is from schoolhouses. It's when, mm -hmm. you know, you go to a schoolhouse a hundred years ago and you're sitting there at a desk and you got a teacher talking to you, but you're there every day, even in right. today's schools, you're there every day through grade school. And then after that, you go into the workplace and you can't be in school every day, right? right? right. So the fact that we brought the schoolhouse model into the company and corporation was the big mistake that we never corrected Right. throughout the last century. And then that's what we're here to, to challenge and say, we got to do this differently. Sure. Um, so you mentioned a couple examples of people being really receptive to this, whether it's the DOE or Coke. What other uh, big companies or how, how many, do you have a lot of big companies or is it just a handful right now? How Where are you guys at in this stage? Um, is it pretty early still or how far along are you? Yeah, we're, we're, pretty, early. we're pretty early still. And that's why we're, you know, we're doing this crowdfunding. There's a, a, but let me back up and take, so where we are, we really have our first year of hard marketing that we consider to be this year. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of at that point where you, you take off the growth phase, like a Super Mario Kart, when you're like, <laughs> oh, we're, we're like right there. So perfect timing to be in Wichita to scale up, raise the capital we need to hire the salespeople, hire our customer success coaches. See, this is the whole thing. We already have the MVP product landed. So right. you know, we just need to pump up sales and marketing and we can add more customers. We do have Fortune 50s. You know, if we have, we have big customers you know about, mm -hmm. uh, once we can say, he can tell you. Yeah, oh, it's one of the first things we tested it when we launched this company two years ago was Verizon Wireless. Um, and then uh, we just recently closed Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Um, and we have a couple of others that we're not able to name at the moment, but sure. one of which came in also around the same, as soon as we launched and started testing, then took us on a year later. And then yet another year later, re-upped and tripled down. They have done something really interesting. This, this is one of the largest tech companies in the world we're talking about. This, this organization has seen it. 
they've seen the gap that BW was talking about between learning and performance. And they've done this brilliant thing where they started creating a capability in that gap around our software and approach, mm -hmm. which is really an honor to us because we got to collaborate with them for the last two years to build this capability so that it can stop existing. Like it's closing the gap. Mm -hmm. And effectively what that means in real life is you've got learning leaders and performance leaders working together in real time, across time, using this format to keep their people engaged for just a few minutes a day, but then using that as an iterative process to see how can you actually get a habit form, change behaviors, hit your goals measurably. It's, okay. it's pretty killer. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, what does your guys' team look like? Is it just you two or what What does your team look like right now? Well, we, we, have a, we actually had, a, uh, we had about 12 employees before we decided to relocate to Wichita. Mm. Because the idea is we're staffing up here. There's some replacements. People couldn't come to Wichita. Sure. Trading out vendors as well and different service providers. But right now we have four uh, technical employees. We have about three other full-time people. And, you know, we're going to be hiring some people here in Wichita very soon as this crowdfunding hits a milestone in the middle of August. We'll be able to add more employees back to the, sure. to the payroll. Uh, you know, we have different... Um, vendors around software development, and we're going to be doing some software work with WSU here locally. You know, uh, we've mm -hmm. had a that's pretty a pretty big thing when you're a software company. You want to have certain controls and sure and uh, certain access to things. Uh, so yeah, that's that's uh, where we're at is we're staffing up the team. Sure. Here. Yeah, it's been pretty cool to get local resources. I mean, contractors up till now. <laughs> Excuse me. So we've had you know several local contractors we've already taken on here in Wichita. Awesome. But, but BW said about the software development, we, we've had an overseas team since the beginning when we okay. first prototyped this. They've been so great. Mm -hmm. They've just been the best. They're called Sigma Software. Okay. And, uh, and, and what we've been talking with them about is like how we can really build some, some support even for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know how you, you, you outsource from the U.S. to overseas all the time. And we're saying you can come even to the Midwest here and you can pick up resources for you. Right. And that would be written about because that kind of stuff doesn't happen. But the economy is such that it makes it possible here. And I mean, it's really great. It's just, it's so favorable to growing a business and, and not having to just be this ridiculously overwhelming cost. Right. So, yeah. We're excited to be able to share resources, build out some from here through WSU, the research lab is dynamite. Yeah, there. for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. I work, actually, uh, I worked at uh, the research lab for the aviation stuff. So NIAR, the National Institute of Aviation Research, all through college. Yeah. And so it was interesting just getting tied in. And my experience through that was really good as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with what they built there. They've got a great culture for innovation there. Mm -hmm. Tanya, uh, Tanya Witherspoon has uh, introduced us to NERT, which is their tr digital transformation kind of spinoff of NIAR now, sure. which uh, really fits in the sweet spot of what we're trying to do with really large organizations is digital transformations. Sure. Um, so you mentioned crowdfunding. And so let's talk about that a little bit. I don't know if I have to say this, but I'm not not a financial advisor. And this is not financial advice. But uh, we have some crowdfunding opportunities. Um, and so I'm curious, just talk a little bit about that and why crowdfunding versus, I, I don't know, startup lingo a ton, but the Series A or whatever else, other options. Why did you choose crowdfunding? Or what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question, man. And, and there's been some new law adjustments the SEC has pushed out around the crowdfunding exemption that now allows uh, companies that raise to the crowd to go up to $5 million versus a million dollars mm. in a 12-month period. 
And so with the, the pandemic um, causing people to hold on to their money more and uh, people wanting to do less big checks that we found in, in the retail space of investors, we, we just saw that the market there for the crowdfunding was, was growing mm-hmm. and it was perfect for us. And it, it also really fits with our theme around empowering people, empowering mm-hmm. employees on the product side and actual citizens to be part of, of deals. This also does a double thing. It also could bring in potential customers for us too sure. um, when you work with the crowd. So there's a lot of potential with the crowd. And the crowd is, is a very powerful thing. We've seen companies raise millions of dollars recently through the crowd. So yes, we're using the best portal out there, we think. And I mean, it's actually one of the best, arguably out there, WeFunder. Mm-hmm. And we're aligned with one of the best marketing firms out there. They think you know, they're probably number one in the whole country called Aurora Project. And, you know, we just want to, we just want to go to the crowd because of this uh, new exemption uh, adjustment up to 5 million. And we think that's the way to go. We think that's the way to raise capital now and, and have a nice pool of people that are behind this movement. It's, it's become a, a movement to fill the gap and to yeah. empower employees. And, you know, it's not, it's not a normal type of product. And so we think that the crowd will respond to it mm-hmm. and want to be part of that. Sure. Yeah, I think it's really cool because I, I mean, I listen to a lot of, I don't know, startup podcasts and that kind of stuff. Um, and there's always talk like some of these people are accredited investors. So they have to have a million dollar net worth to invest in these private companies or these startups. And so it's cool that there are opportunities like you guys are taking advantage of through WeFunder, whoever else that the yeah. little guy like me can help invest in a, a startup company, which might otherwise not be the case. So I think that's really cool. And, and also, too, there's another thing that's personal to, to me here, Landon, and why uh, why I think this is so important, because I, I, I'm i from Wichita. I love Wichita. My family's owned a, a construction business. They do work for the city mm-hmm. all the time. My, my stamp, my name, my stamp is all over the city, right? Thanks <laughs> to my mom and pop. So there's a love here. There's there's roots here. And I'm, I'm saddened and upset at the same time that Wichita is not going to be able to fully innovate for entrepreneurs if it doesn't add crowdfunding to the mix. So I believe that part of my reason of being here is to prevent startups from being held down ever again, held back. Sure. Right now, we're not aware of it in Wichita. We're the first ones, I think, to do this at this level. And we're going to do it. And we're going to show people that there's another way to access capital mm-hmm. so that startups are they have more options mm-hmm. and that the people know that they can actually get in parallel to the big boys, big girls, get a piece of the action at a very micro investment level. To me, that's power. That's democratizing investments land. Yeah, absolutely. I think it kind of plays in, I mean, just the way the world is headed, whether it's kind of the blockchain decentralization of things, it doesn't have to be the big banks or the big boys. Like you mentioned, that it can be the everyday person that, uh, I mean, again, kind of giving the power back to the people and if the, there's power in numbers. So I think that's really interesting. And so it's cool. Hopefully, um, I think through some of those different studies, I think the Chung report is one of them that does kind of an economic, economic studies in Wichita. Um, and then there's been a couple other ones about what is Wichita missing? Why, why are we lagging behind to, let's say, Omaha or Kansas City or Tulsa or Oklahoma City? Similar size towns or cities, um, but they're ahead economically five or 10 years and why that is. And one of the things was uh, the uh, access to capital was a big thing. And so I think that is a good way to kind of, uh, again, give the power back to the people, but there's no reason we couldn't be the reason these startups succeed. So, oh man, I agree with that. Yes. <laughs> that, that, I'm, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
this, so, is, this uh, is what our whole reason for being landed. I mean, if, if you think about it thematically, it's the same thing we're doing with learning. Right. Learning, Absolutely. we're democratizing it. So it's yeah. not just, you know, a corporate entity up here that's deciding what they're going to shove into a course and then do a CYA tick the box to prove, right. you know, if you screw up, they're okay. No, no, no. This is to spread it out so that everybody has access to command their own destiny in their job, sure. to command their own destiny in their life. And it helps the business too. So it's democratizing learning, democratizing funding. Sure, sure. Um, and so just to kind of recap real quick. So you guys are knowledge as a service. Your product is Ringarang and you guys are about to crowdfund. Um, so today's August 2nd, 2021. What does the process look like? When does it kind of kick off or is it available already? Um, this will be out within a week or so. Um, but I guess what's what's kind of like the minimum? You mentioned microtransaction or microinvesting. What's kind of the minimum to get started? How do people get involved? That kind of thing. Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah. So if you go to wefunder.com slash CAS, K-A-A-S, it's the acronym for our name, Knowledge as a Service, wefunder.com slash CAS, you can actually reserve equity today, the last day to reserve equity before transactions actually occur probably tomorrow because we filed Form C. Form C means it's official. You can actually invest and get the equity. But you can go there right now. It's live on there. The page is there. You can look at everything. Mm -hmm. But tomorrow, when Form C is officially filed, then you can actually invest and transact, and we can start to sell it and offer it to the world. Right now, we can't do that yet because we're a few hours shy. We can only say you can reserve your equity. Sure. So people can go there right now and get a, get a, you know get in on the game right now. Very and cool. And by the way, the minimum is two fifty. That's on the we found two hundred fifty. Okay. And you will be able to use credit cards and debit cards very soon for that to make it easy for everybody to get in on it. Sure, sure. And there's a, a, an early bird uh, phase right now. Mm -hmm. By the time that this airs, uh, the early bird phase will likely still be in play. Okay. And then once we fill that up, then it moves to a different valuation. So Sure, mm -hmm. absolutely. So there's an incentive yeah. to get in earlier. Um, yeah. So are you guys, is there a, I guess... You mentioned, I mean, obviously the early bird will go probably pretty quick. Is there, are you running this until you hit a certain number or is there like a two month cap and then you guys will look for other sources of funding? What, what does that process look like? So we can raise up to a million dollars right now as fast as we can raise it. Mm -hmm. And once we hit that, we'll need to do audited financials and then we can go up to 5 million, another 4 million after that. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we do want to raise the million dollars in the next uh, three to four months. Mm -hmm. We think that that's the kind of momentum that's possible with Wichita and our other marketing efforts. Just sure. to be clear, Aurora is doing Facebook ads. They exclusively do Facebook ads to drive traffic to WeFunder. Okay. So we'll, we'll do the audit financials. We'll go up to, you know, as much as we can go until it makes sense not to keep raising at that valuation. So there is that opportune time now, we think, to, to take a look and, you know, people can afford it, get in and own a piece of a Wichita tech company. Um, and that's, that's what we're up to. All, most of this money is all going to, most all of it's going to come back to Wichita land. Sure. You know, we're, Wichita's going to come back here. And also, you know, just to be part of that, uh, I think I call it a movement to let Wichita know there's another way to raise money for startups. It's yeah. empowering entrepreneurs is really what we're doing here, I think. Sure. Sure. Um that's awesome. I think I understand kind of the process. Uh, I think I understand you guys' company and the product a little bit better. Um, what, what, what am I missing? What do the people, what, what do they need to know other than what we've kind of talked about it? Did we miss anything? Well, I'll say, um, you know, every entrepreneurial venture, you, you, you love your baby. 
so to speak. You know, it's like, oh, I've got this idea, this offering or this product, and it's just the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, and we thought that many times over the history of just trying this out through the clinical trials, wondering if we were going to make a business model out of it, et cetera. And then finally, a couple of years ago, the market started telling us things about our product that we didn't imagine. You know, and that's what's, what's so cool. When I try to put myself in the shoes of someone who was born and raised in Wichita, I'm just, I'm just a brand new transplant here. So I'm sure. just getting to know it, right? But what seems so cool to me for Wichita is like, this is broadcasting a transformation that some of the biggest companies in the world have already taken on, not just because they think it's a cool product, but because they realize there's a total flipping that they need to do of that cost center I told you about. Mm-hmm. You think about how learning in HR is a cost center, right? What they're doing with our products, they're flipping it. So it's no longer a cost center. It's now a performance driver. That's a total paradigm shift. Sure, sure. It's really cool. Well, the last thing to say is thank you for your time and for you know, welcoming us to Wichita and supporting what we're doing as a startup company. And you know, we're here to we're here to stay and grow and win. And shout out to Jordan Walker, our new marketing director here in Wichita. She's awesome. And uh yeah, you're going to see a lot of news on us. So follow us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn. Let's connect. And, you know, if you want to join us through the crowd, let's do it. Absolutely. We'll share all the links, share your socials, um, share the yeah. WeFunder link. And, uh, yeah, let's get Wichita booming some more. I think you were correct. Uh, Wichita's on the verge of something big. And I'm glad you guys are here and help us kind of get over the hump. Thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you again to everyone that listened to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. If you enjoyed, please rate and review our podcast on whatever app you use. If you have any recommendations, please reach out at wichitalifeict at gmail.com. Thanks again.